We welcome you tonight to the Lord's house again, and we are happy that you are here, and we hope you'll be able to endure the heat. As one man said, our air conditioning unit is a little bit like a screen door in a submarine. It's not much more value than that, we think, and uh, the hottest times of the summer, the times you need it the most, is the time that it decides it's not going to work. So, if the heat doesn't put you to sleep through the message, well, maybe the preaching will. We hope that won't be the case either. You'll be able to stay well and good awake tonight. And we want to welcome uh, Jonathan Dana and their family back. They were overseas, and uh, they just arrived in not long ago. So, uh, their hour difference would say it's past their bedtime already. And uh, we hope that they will not be sleeping in the service tonight either. We're glad that you are here. And if you're in person or you have joined us online, we're very happy that you're with us in the Savior's precious name. We want to welcome Liz and Ken from our Malvern, Pennsylvania congregation, Dr. Stephen Pollock. We're happy that you folks are here. We understand you visited Brother Cranston this morning in Port Hope, and we're happy that you are here with us tonight. And it's also a joy for us to see uh, Dave and Nancy Moorhead. I'm searching around for them. They are coming. They should be in the service tonight. And uh, they, of course, Stephen Moorhead is our our son-in-law, and his mom and dad have been with us at different times over the years. We enjoyed them in the service this morning. They're with us for the weekend of meetings, of services. So we want to begin our meeting tonight by singing number 397, 397, I know whom I have believed. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me hath been made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for His own. Let's stand as we worship.
As we come to pray tonight, we want to remember our congregation in Penticton, Reverend Andy Foster and his family as they had to evacuate from their home, and they are now taking up residence in their church. We're not just sure how Penticton town itself will be affected by the wildfires that are uh, raging across British Columbia. We hold them up before the Lord in prayer and asking for God's hand to be upon them and help them in this time that they'll be a witness and a light and a testimony in their community as they go through times of trial and challenge as well as everyone else. Christians are not, well, they're not accepted, exempted from these things and at times we also have to face these various challenges. Let's come to the Lord now, please, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bow in Jesus' name tonight, and we come to lift up and exalt the name of our Lord and Savior. We come, Father, to give thanks for all that we have in and through His sacrifice on Calvary. And where we stand in Him tonight, and because of the virtue and the value of His sacrifice, His precious shed blood. We know tonight that we are redeemed through that blood, not of any corruptible things, not of anything, Lord, that we can do or amass or amount up ourselves. Father, we are thankful tonight with all our souls for what our Redeemer has done for us. We have been washed from our sins. Lord, tonight, We know it is well with our souls, for we have a home in heaven. I pray, Father, this evening, that in this evening's service, that each one of us who know Christ would rejoice with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. We can say as the hymn writer did, taking this very hymn that we have sung tonight from the Word of God, that I know whom... I have believed in. We have this confidence by the Holy Spirit that we are saved, we are washed, redeemed, and we have a home in heaven. And Lord, no matter what happens in this earth, no matter what befalls us, whether it be wildfires, some other disaster, it may be sickness that comes upon us, Lord, we tonight can rejoice that it is well, it is well with our souls. Dear Lord, any who are in this meeting or who are watching online without Christ, we pray that their souls would be open, Father, to receive that great message of salvation, that effectual call by the Holy Spirit. Lord, bring sinners from darkness to light tonight. And if it is not here through this fellowship, Lord, let it be through the preached Word that goes out from other ministers of the Gospel that are faithful to Christ. Not only in our own land, the land to the south of us, but Father, across this world, in all of our preaching stations and all of our missionary places, and Father, far beyond every faithful tongue that is holding up the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully. 
Father, we're thankful that we depend not on ourselves. We don't depend on denomination. We don't depend, Lord, on our own ability, organizational skills, anything that we have put in place. But, Father, we commit all into Your hand. And we pray, Father, for a power and strength to be enabled to witness that we will be reflectors of the glory and beauty and holiness of Christ. Lord, don't allow us to mar that mirror of reflection. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will keep us in the center of Your divine will, that we will walk in fellowship with our Savior day by day. We're thankful, Lord, for those who were in the meeting this morning. Whether they were in Christ, we rejoice. If they're out of Christ, we pray the Word would yet take impact upon their lives. Thankful for everyone here tonight in person and online. And Father, we ask that our worship would be honoring to Christ. And Father, it would be received by Your holy person. So hear us tonight. Be with us. Remember those sick. We pray again for Dr. McClellan in hospital. Put your hand upon him. We pray for a Serene. We ask for Sister Anna Tan. We pray for Isabel Glynn and Ted. We ask, Lord, for our brother Richard Teo. That you would watch over him and bless him. We're thankful that Brother Ron's in the service tonight again. Thankful for our, our visitors here. We pray for those dear brother and sister who have joined us from our Malvern congregation. Bless them on their time of holiday. Watch over them. Keep them safe. Thankful for Dave and Nancy Moorhead with us this evening and for the time of fellowship we've enjoyed with them. Continue your blessing on them in their travels and encourage their hearts in the Lord and help them in their work and service and witness for Christ. And any others, Lord, if we don't have their names, pour out Your Spirit abundantly upon all of Your people. And Father, encourage our hearts. Thankful for the McAnally family brought back safely to us again. And others who either have traveled and come back, Lord, or who yet will be going away. Father, we're thankful that our going out and coming in is by the hand of our sovereign God. And we want to be in the center of your will, knowing blessing and direction and help in every detail of our lives. Father, overrule and keep us, we pray. Don't allow us to be set aside by the temptations of the evil one. Make us strong in the Lord and in the power of thy might. So hear our prayers now and be with us in this service. Encourage our hearts, we ask. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Let's continue in our worship number 393. In tenderness he sought me. We'll stand again, please, to sing.
just a moment and we'll think about the words of verses 4 and 5 again. I'm sitting in His presence, the sunshine of His face, well, with adoring wonder His blessings I retrace. It seems as if eternal days are far too short to sing His praise. Well, that will be our testimony. I know when we get to glory, we're not there yet. Although as the Lord looks upon His people, He sees us as glorified already. That's a finished work because of our Lord Jesus. And we can rejoice in that tonight. The words of verse 3, that phrase struck me when the hymn writer says, I wonder what He saw in me. Well, the truth is, friend, that the Lord saw nothing good in us that would recommend us to Him. He looked upon us in love and mercy while we were in our sin and unworthy of any blessings. But the Lord has had His grace placed upon us and we today are saved by that matchless sovereign grace. And we can rejoice in Him. So while the hours are passing, all now is perfect rest, waiting for the morning, the brightest and the best, when He will call us to His side to be with Him, His spotless bride. Verse 5, we will sing. Let's turn to the Word of God for a congregational reading, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to break into the chapter, verse 17. The early verses of the chapter, the apostle is rejoicing about what it means to have and to know we have a home in glory, and that how the earthly tabernacle that we have of our body will one day be dissolved, but we will go to be with Him forever and forever. Verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing 
their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. May God bless His Word to you. And as we have read in this portion, you will see that it links up again with what we want to speak to you about from Philippians chapter 3 as we continue in our theme from this morning's message. But before we get to that, we want to again say a word, a warm word of welcome to everyone in person and online. We're very happy that you are here with us tonight in our evening service. And again, I say a word of welcome to Dave and Nancy Moorhead. We're thankful that you're here with us in the evening service tonight. We had a number of visitors in the service this morning, and I did not get an opportunity to speak to each one of them, or at least to say their names, but we welcome them all. And it's been a blessing that we have been praying for, for God to speak to the hearts of people in our community and to bring them in under the sound of the Word, and the Lord would do a work of grace in their heart and bring them back to be a part with us again. So, let's remember them in prayer. We think of our brother uh, James Fraser. He has been in Calgary for the last two Lord's Days, and this one is his final one. He is preaching the Word there, and they'll be making their way back to be with us very soon as well. And in our congregation in Barrie this morning, some of our people here were up to be with them as they had a farewell service for Frank DiDerno. And of course, he is the son of Reverend Pastor uh, Tony DiDerno, who's the minister in Barrie. And it's Brother Tony's son, Frank, who is going to be going to Fredericton, New Brunswick, uh, very soon to really continue on in the ministry of that work. Uh, Frank DiDerno grew up in Fredericton under the ministry of his dad, And now, as the Lord has called him, he's going to be returning back. He's not sure fully whether it will be a full-time calling, but he's certainly going there to uh, serve the Lord in the near uh, future. So, remember him in prayer. As we think about that, next Lord's Day evening will be a sending service as he is really going out from this congregation as we have the responsibility of oversight for the work in Fredericton. So, We're looking forward to that next Lord's Day evening. His wife, Clarissa, will be sharing a word of testimony, and Frank also will be sharing really the burden of God upon his own heart for the work in Fredericton, and then sharing that word, a word from the Scripture for us. And there will be fellowship after the service next Sunday evening, so please keep that before the Lord in prayer. Remember Dr. McClellan, still in hospital, awaiting a procedure that he must receive and has to be transferred to another place. And do remember our brother before the Lord and others who are in hospital or at home recuperating and also not forgetting Reverend John Bodner, very near uh, death at this time. 
Let's hold up to the Lord the ministry of Whitfield Christian Schools. As much preparation is in place now, and as the staff members are preparing themselves and administration within the school, and for the students also, that God would bring everyone back, not with a, a feeling of duress at all, but really with anticipation as to what God will do this year in our school, and that it will be certainly a year of rich blessing, of spiritual advancement, of covering much ground for the Savior. Remember, please, the ministry of prayer meeting and Bible study this Wednesday, 7.30, and our brother Daniel Siman will be bringing the Word this Wednesday evening. And uh, next Lord's Day morning, I trust to bring the Word uh, to you in Christ. Those are all the ministry announcements we have at this time. We're very happy that we have a duet. Two of our young people are going to bring a message in song tonight. We have Heather and Ruth, and they're going to sing, and they're going to sing three verses of a hymn, and then we're going to ask the congregation to sing the first verse again after that, and you can just remain seated for that as you sing. So girls, please come now and minister to us.
All right, let's join together as we sing that first verse of this hymn. Thank you, girls, for sharing and ministering in song. And I want to also say a word of thanks to our brother Daniel Santos, who has been playing the last couple of Lord's Days in the absence of Mrs. McAnally. And we appreciate the ministry that our brother has provided as well. We're going to sing congregational hymn now, number 403. And we will stand as we worship the Lord. 403. be seated. I ask you to turn now, please, in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to pick up our reading at verse 7. The Apostle has 
come near the end of his letter, his epistle to the Philippian Christians, and he is closing his word with finally. He wants them to rejoice in the Lord. He wants them to be thankful for their position in Christ and all they have received. But also, he must bring them a warning, a warning that there are people who have evil intention trying to overthrow the work, people who were taking great confidence in their own flesh. They depended on themselves, and Paul the Apostle had much to speak of regarding his own resume if he was to boast in something like that. But he counted, after he came to Christ, all the things in the past as being of no value. Actually, it was worse than that. He counted them as being a great detriment. He counted anything that would be presented to the Lord as a righteous standing, as being wicked, sinful, most depraved. He counted them as as dung, as human excrement. Let's read in verse number 7. But what things were gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Please join with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we have the Scripture open tonight, I pray that every one of our hearts will be open to receive instruction, application by the Holy Spirit and from Him. And that, Lord, we would be closed in for the final moments of this service tonight and shutting away every distracting thought and that we will know 
the Lord Jesus by our side. Lord, you would come and help me to speak as the messenger of heaven in the Word of God. And I will be given that power necessary to speak. Take away any human dependence. And as Paul said in this portion, Lord, he had no confidence in his flesh. So let us stand in the same place and with the same heart. So hear our prayer tonight. Bless the Word to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today in our services, we have been thinking on the subject of being in Christ and expanding on that to have, we trust, by the Lord's help, a greater understanding of that meaning. Because two simple words, in Christ, well, it has really an eternal amount of meaning. And if the Lord enables us and teaches us, we will try to understand, comprehend, and apply it to our own lives so that we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. The title of the message is simply, In Christ. And as we think about that tonight again, I'm refreshed and encouraged every time I hear a testimony from a believer Because, you know, we all come to Christ. That's the only way to heaven. We must come through Him. But there are many, many ways that the Lord will draw us in those pathways leading up to Him. And the Apostle Paul, in this rare occasion, gives us his personal testimony. And the details of it are somewhat unique because in the book of Acts we have two recordings of Paul's testimony. And here to the Philippian Christians and for us, he shares with us something of the detail of what happened to him in his upbringing and where he came from. Some of our life stories, our testimonies, they would not seem to be very, well, dramatic and very ordinary in many respects. We would not call them necessarily trophies of grace. We have some of those recorded for us in the Bible. And if you were to listen in the details of the Apostle Paul and how he expressed to you what it was like to be on that road to Damascus, and there he was going to arrest Christians and hail them and put them in prison, some he would see executed. But then the Lord met him. And the presence of Christ on the road to Damascus was brighter than the noonday sun. What a stirring testimony that would be to hear the man himself tell it. But you know, Paul was careful. He did not want the attention to come to himself. And any testimony that is worthy of its salt would not be to glory in all the things that we have done but rather to glory in what Christ has done for us in the deliverances we have received. And Paul shared here with the believers in Philippi just how much 
God had done for him. Just how much the Lord Jesus Christ meant to him and the hope that he had, that he now possessed, that one day he may have thought he had as a Jewish Pharisee, as a leader of his kingdom, only to find out that when he met the Lord Jesus, all that he had before was nothing. It was wrong. It was completely false. And you know, when we are brought into the light of our salvation, we then have things clarified for us. We now see as we never saw before. And the light has come on in our own hearts. And Paul's burden as every faithful child of God would be to exhort and to encourage and to equip others to stand for truth in their day. And as he did to the Philippians, that they would be on guard because we must be ready for the attack of the evil one. We must be on our guard always for false teachers, evil intruders, whose sole aim is to overthrow our faith and to destroy God's work. So what he said to the Philippians over 2,000 years ago, he would say exactly to us tonight, be on guard, watch out. You've trusted in the Lord. That is amazing. That is great. God has revealed His grace to you. You are now a follower of Christ, but know this, there are deceivers and false teachers, and there are enemies the devil has inspired them, and they want to rend and tear and destroy everything that God, that God has done. But they were not to fear, and we are not to fear. They were not to fear the face of men that came against them. And brothers and sisters, as we keep our eyes by faith upon Christ and as we look into His face by faith, we also have no need to fear the face of men. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And today, we are secure in Him. The Philippian believers had a position in Jesus. They were part of His body. They were members of the invisible church of Christ. They were unified in the Son of God. And with all other believers, they were exhorted to consider what that union with Christ meant and how they were to reckon or account themselves as part of the family of God. And what the Apostle wanted them to consider, he wants us to think about tonight again. And for us, it will be a reinforcement of truth that we know, and I trust it will encourage us to continue on and to press forward. And the Lord will encourage us. This morning, 
we thought about being in Christ and how that described our union with Him. In verse 9, Paul said, to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness. Remember, that word, be found, was eureka. I am found attached to Christ. I am found in Him. I am found united with my Father in heaven. But to know Christ also meant to have communion with Him. For he said in verse 10 that I may know Him. A dramatic change took place in his life when he was converted. And it takes place in every person's life when we are brought to Christ and we are delivered from the sin and darkness and depravity of our own human nature. Our thinking changes. Our desires change. Our motives and our lifestyle change. And our habits that were one time unmentionable, well, they're now changed. And it's by the Lord's grace and Christ abiding in us. The result of all this, of course, it means that we have peace with God. Romans 5 and 1 says that. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, we possess peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul went on to speak about the resurrection of the Lord being the very heart of our spiritual power. In verse 10, the power of His resurrection. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, it continues to be and provide the motivating power that we need in our lives every day to live for Him and for God's glory. Believer, you cannot do anything for the Lord without Christ Himself. He said that to His disciples in John 15, without Me you can do nothing. And without the Lord's resurrection power, we are not able to do anything for Him. It is all through that that we are to serve Him today. As we come to part two, I want us to think about suffering for Christ because this describes our association with Him. In verse 10, he said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Keep in mind, the Apostle is dealing in this, the context of this whole portion about being unified with His Lord, about being in union with the Lord Jesus. Believers in Christ, we don't have an easy road There are and there will be sufferings, trials, sickness, persecution, hardship, hunger, imprisonment, and even martyrdom if God wills and appoints that for us. But these things have always been a part 
of the body of Christ, always been a part of the church. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, the believers in the Old Testament suffered horrendous things. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we are given the account of what they suffered in the Old Testament. These were men and women of faith that were torn asunder by lions, that were sawn asunder. They, they went through great persecution for their faith. And we are given these examples held up in the New Testament as these are helpers along the way to show us that as they suffered looking forward to the cross of Calvary, so we should not think it a strange thing when then we will also suffer looking back to what the Lord has done for us upon the cross and to realize our union with Him. And Paul says it this way, the fellowship of His sufferings. Does this have anything to do with the sufferings that Christ endured upon the cross to merit our eternal salvation? We cannot add, contribute, put up anything to our eternal redemption. What our Lord Jesus did on the cross of Calvary in suffering for my sin and for your sin, we had no part in that. We did not suffer to make expiation for our sin. The Lord Jesus Christ and what was laid upon Him was all our transgressions. Every single sin that every believer has ever committed was laid upon Christ, and our Lord Jesus suffered for that. Indeed, we're told in Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. The Lord did not bruise us for our sin. Oh, believer, never for a moment think that whatever suffering we must endure in this life, that it is because we are paying for our sin in no way. Hebrews tells us that our Lord Jesus died once for all and that He suffered once for all. And in the book of 2 Corinthians where we read tonight, we were given very clearly the very last verse of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that the Lord has laid on Him our transgression. He made Him to become sin for us. And so when the Lord God laid our transgressions on Christ, He made the Lord Jesus to become sin for us. He bore all of our suffering for sin. And so, what does the Apostle mean when he's talking here about the fellowship of his sufferings? He means, friends, that you and I in this life will go through trials and tribulations. But these trials that God allows sovereignly for us to endure 
They are part of His providential education and purpose in our lives so that we will be sanctified. God is at work in us. We ask, why? Why must we suffer? There is a warfare that we are engaged in, a warfare of Satan against God, of darkness against light, of evil against good. And it means that there will be casualties. But this is God's way. It's God's way of showing to the world a witness of His people of patience, of endurance, of even joy in tribulation. So when sickness comes, when illness attacks our bodies, friend, don't think that God has forsaken you. Don't think that it's because of some sin that you have done in your life. But understand this, God is working out His purpose in your life that we might enter in and have fellowship of the sufferings of Christ, not to expiate for our sins, but to be a testimony of what God is yet doing in and through us. Oftentimes, is it not the case, when our suffering is used of God in order to pull us away from those things that we become attached to and dependent on, is it not what the Lord is doing in our lives, friend? Review your own case. See what has happened when you have come through a trial. Oh no, nobody is asking for it and nobody necessarily rejoices in the midst of it. They're hard. But when God has brought you through, or you are in the midst of it and you are proving God's grace upon you now, maybe, friend, more than you knew before. You're closer to the Lord now than if you had not come through that trial or going through it. Yes, it is the Lord's purpose in the life of His people. The Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. In Colossians 1 verse 23, the Apostle said, Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And then he said, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you? And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, which is the church. And Paul is saying to the people there, I actually, by God's grace, I can be brought to rejoice in that God has allowed me to suffer because in my sufferings, the church, these others, the Colossians, as he was speaking to them, have been able to grow in their faith. <laughs> the true heart of a pastor Paul had that. He only desired that his life would be put on the altar of sacrifice for service so that the people of God would grow, that they would become more Christ-like, that they would become less entangled with the things of the world. 
and he looked at the afflictions of Christ, and he saw in his own life a faint impression because of what his Lord did in suffering for the sins of his people and going to the cross. So, it may well be that the followers of Christ must suffer in order to be a testimony, in order to be an encouragement. Ah, friends, let us ask ourselves the question, are we willing to suffer for the good of others? Are we willing to be used of God as an example and testimony in this world? All of these things, trials great and small, they show us that this world is not our home. We are seeking a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Moses. I look forward to meeting Moses in glory. Moses, we are told, chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Note this, esteeming, valuing, considering, doing the math. He added it all up. He esteemed the reproach of Christ of greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He left it all behind Him, and He went out to serve the Lord, and He suffered with the people of God because His eye was upon His Redeemer. And He valued the reproach of Christ. He valued the suffering that He would endure as but a little thing in light of the great reward of the city that He also was looking forward to by faith, that heavenly Jerusalem, not an earthly one. We are not looking for an earthly Jerusalem today. We're looking forward to the heavenly Jerusalem that God says will come down from heaven. Oh, friend, today, are we associated with Christ Or are we ashamed of Him? Number five. We're conformed to Christ's death. Paul goes on in verse 10 to say those very words. The fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. We know our Lord Jesus, when He died on the cross, He died as a righteous, holy, sinless Son of God. And He died in order that a perfect atonement would be made. And so he did that. And Paul is praying here 
that He would be made conformable unto the death of Christ. I want you to turn to the book of Romans chapter 6. We're going to read some of these verses starting at verse 1 of Romans chapter 6. Because this portion, it deals with what it means to be found in Christ and to die to ourselves. What shall we then, we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, deatheth no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God." Here the Apostle saw his association, his connection, his union with Christ through his death and in his resurrection, and he is conformed unto the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a transformation has taken place here. And we are told in this portion that we are to mortify... The word means to put to death the deeds of the body, which means dying unto ourself so that we will be seen to be alive unto righteousness. And how will this be done? Well, I ask you tonight, will it be done by your will power? Will it be done by some new resolution? How will we get victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil? 
And my dear friend, the answer tonight is by acknowledging this truth, that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. And I reckon myself to be dead indeed unto the world, to myself, but I am alive in Christ Jesus tonight. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, by this resurrection power, with the divine help of the Spirit of God, we will overcome. Therefore, for us tonight, we are specifically to pray for this victory in all areas of temptation in our life that we might be susceptible to. And the devil knows us, and he knows our weaknesses, and he brings those in front of us. But greater is He that is in us, and the Lord has given us the antidote. He has said, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Believer tonight, let us lay hold of this truth. Let us tap into the value and the merit of our Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives we will see ourselves united to Christ in death and united to Him in the resurrection of our Lord from the dead. And that we will see the members of our body put to death and that we will die every day unto ourselves. But there's something further here in the testimony that Paul gives and makes is a testimony of following his Lord. Number six, this is defined as discipleship. He says in verse 12, back to Philippians 3, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I follow after. Paul did not determine this by his own will power. He said, I have not apprehended Christ by my own will power, but I have been apprehended. I have been laid hold by the Lord Himself. And He has placed upon me the obligation of discipleship. He has called me to service. And that same obligation, if we like, that same will and purpose that God has put upon us, He has called us to be His servants. We are called to serve Him. Actually, we are called as His slaves. The word is doulos. And when the Lord has made us His servants, His slaves, we are willingly submissive to Him and we follow Him. We are His disciples. And we say, Lord, direct us where You want us to go. Let our testimony shine very brightly as Your servants in this generation. We have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And if Esther in the Old Testament was used of God for a great deliverance, believer, don't think that your life is any different than that. God has something for you to do. He has a calling upon your life. 
And as that calling is placed upon you, will you say, wait a minute, I've got something I have to do. I've got a life that I want to live. I have a goal that I want to accomplish. Or do we rather say, as our Lord did, not my will, but thy will be done. It's easy to say it, but it's not so easy to mean it with our hearts, is it? The devil will always challenge us here. He will say, but you're not able to follow the Lord in this way. He will tell us, you're not equipped to do this. What makes you think that you're able to follow the living and true God and be His disciple? What makes you think you could serve Him in some capacity? Oh, friend, don't let the devil whisper those things into your ears. No, but we are called in submission. We are called to serve the living and the true God. And as the apostle said, I follow after. Be a a true follower of Christ today. Don't be one who is prepared to follow all the other social media gurus and giants. Don't waste your time following much of that garbage. But friend, devote yourself to say, I, I will follow I will follow Jesus anywhere, anywhere. Fear I cannot know. I will follow my Lord Jesus. Two more thoughts and we're done tonight. Number seven. Here is a correct view of ourselves in Christ. This is perspective. Look at verse 13. Brethren, he says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I want to leave things behind that are going to hinder me. I want in my life to have a divine perspective of God's will, God's purpose, and how I can fulfill that. I want to have this view not distorted, not out of focus. I want to have the view that is inspired directly by the Lord from the Scripture that I might follow after my Lord. This perspective can be very daunting at times, Daunting because we might not know what it means when we say to the Lord, I want my life to be in your hands and I want you to do with me what you will. That is a correct perspective. However, it can be very challenging because we don't know what the Lord will do with that. And if we are going to bring ourselves and place ourselves and our lives on the altar of sacrifice for service, we don't know what God will do. And if we are serious about it and if we mean it, The Lord may require of us much. And are we prepared to set that before Him? Are you prepared tonight, believer, to set your life in that way before Him? 
Because if so, you will be in the happiest place that a believer can ever be. Because being in the center of God's divine purpose and His will, that is the only place that we can truly know joy and peace. I fear that too many times, and this might be a word for Christians who have been on the road for a while, too many times come to a point where we're at a plateau and we, we, we're not going up the mountain anymore with God. We become very comfortable and cozy in that place where we've been for years. Are we prepared to ask the Lord, even in the later years of life, Lord, what yet have You got for me to do? What service yet can I do for the Master? Paul was never coming to the point where he's saying, I've gone far enough, no farther. No, he was prepared to say, Lord, whatever it is You have for me, my life is in Your hands. That's the correct view. That's, that's the perspective of Christ. And finally, number eight, pressing forward for Christ's honor. This is determination. It is spiritual, holy determination. In verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. A few years ago, this was our motto text for the year. We went into some detail at that time, pressing its truth upon your hearts. But I leave the verse with you now tonight. Are we prepared to say, Lord, I'm going forward. I'm going to press on. I want to serve You in my life, no matter what that might be. And as a congregation of people, if we're prepared to say that, from the pastor down to everyone in the pew, then God has something for us to accomplish. He has a great things for us yet to do as a people. But it really starts with us as individuals, doesn't it? It's not enough for someone in the pew to say, good, that's great for that person over there. Well, that's something for them to do. It's not until we all come to that point of saying, my life on the altar of sacrifice for service. And if we are there, but brothers and sisters, it is the happiest place we can be. It may not be something that's going to revolutionize or change your course of life of what you're on right now but it might be some door that will open that you never expected to open. It might be some way of serving God that you never really considered before. Well, leave yourself open for that and say, Lord, is there something more I can do for You? Is there something further in Your kingdom You can make use of me about? And if we say that openly and honestly, well... We will press forward then for the honor of Christ. And this will be a holy determination. And we'll say, yes, Lord, we want Your best for us. But friend, what about your spiritual state tonight if you're outside of Christ? What if you're not a believer? You can't follow the Lord to serve Him. 
until first you follow Him in salvation and know Him as your own. And so I say to you tonight, don't leave. Don't turn your computer off tonight before knowing and saying, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. Call upon the Savior and the sound of your voice. He will hear. He will pardon. He will forgive. He will save. And you can know what it is. Jesus is yours and you are His. Not for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we bring our service tonight to a close. And I ask, Lord, that we would all have an open heart to hear the speaking of the Spirit of God to us. Lord, take my life, I pray, and let me be wholly captive to Your will and purpose. Help me to fulfill the calling that You have for my life. And I pray, Lord, that You would press this upon the youth in our congregation now. A life at the very beginning, potential service. Lord, are You calling some young man into ministry here? Lord, are You touching the heart of some young woman in some form of service? Are You speaking to some older person in the congregation? Lord, whatever the case may be, let us not procrastinate, put off. Let's simply say, Lord, take my life and let it be holy, consecrated, Lord, to Thee. So, Father, hear our prayer. Part us now in Your fear, with Your rich blessing. And, Lord, if we are to go through death according to Your will, or if we are to abide until Christ returns, may we all be found faithful. We ask this tonight in Jesus' holy name. Amen.